0: If you're not listening to the podcast Sci-Fi Talk, you should be. Host Tony Tolado brings you original interviews and news from throughout, not just science fiction, but horror and fantasy as well, in all their forms, television, films, video games, and comic books. Tony's a big Star Trek fan, and he and I sat down to discuss host-to-host the franchise, plus an array of other topics, ranging from podcasting to Sherlock Holmes to Pancan. I'm T. Rick Jones, and this is your Daily Star Trek News. Hello. Oh, Tony, how are you? I'm doing great, man. How are you? I'm great. Welcome to Daily Star Trek News. It seems to me you were... Podcasting, when podcasting first became a thing, near as I can tell, you were right on the cusp. So what yeah, did you do before I that?
1: Um, well, actually, I did the, uh, I did it as a radio program uh, okay. for a while, which was interesting. And then, uh, 2005, somebody mentioned podcast, and and then I, you know, started covering Star Trek. I, I covered the uh, junkets for Star Trek: First Contact star trek insurrection and the last next generation movie star trek nemesis oh wow and i've been lucky enough throughout the years to talk to just about that was always my goal at least one person from every star trek series and i've been able to do that um, including discovery prodigy uh, and uh, i'm probably missing one of those but uh but yes i've been able to talk to them, and every tuesday on my podcast on sci-fi talk i have trek tuesday where i have interviews uh with people that have been connected with star trek or creating new star trek content and uh cool coming up this week i have f mary abraham he oh, told me cool. about uh shooting the finale in star trek insurrection
0: that's uh, cool.
1: a couple years ago which is really cool
0: yeah and they're all trek tuesday is is basically all um uh like classic interviews right like you don't generally do new interviews for that it's all it's all sort of interviews that have been done years ago sort of a throwback it
1: it's a mix of both i i have also uh jonathan prakes recently mike mayhan from lower decks that's the one i missed uh also d bradley baker from prodigy oh yeah And then i was at the junket for uh for star trek prodigy and talked to Cade and The young actors that are the leads, which is really cool. And Discovery, I was at the bowels of of uh, (laughs) Madison Square Garden interviewing the cast of Discovery during season two, so that was really cool.
0: That's really cool.
1: And actually, there is a Star Trek connection of a guest I just interviewed, which is really funny. I didn't, I didn't, wasn't planned, Uh, but Beth Grant. Uh, is uh, in the Mayfair Witches, which I've been covering. And it turns out I live here in Charlotte, North Carolina, and it turns out Lee J. Cobb's daughter, Julie Cobb, lives here as well. Now, if you go back to the um, original Star Trek series, the episode by any other name, Julie Cobb was in the landing party, and last we saw her, She got turned into a cube and crushed, (laughs) but she's very much alive. (laughs) And and then to make even even more interesting, Beth Grant's daughter is Mary Chiefalo, who was a Klingon, of course, in Star Trek. And if you look at both of them, boy, there's definitely a family resemblance. So um, she's going to say hi for me to her.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's that's But yeah, so it's really funny. Yeah, there's, there's Star Trek connections all over the place if you just want to look, right? Uh, absolutely, you, you <laughs> can't. You can trip over it
1: literally, especially doing what we do. It's you know, people you don't you talk to that you know without Star Trek uh, say, hey, by the way, I was, uh, you know. So anyway, but yeah, so. Me- yeah, I've talked to, um, I just talked to an actor who is one of the prisoners in the um, Discovery episode. And season that she was in the planet where they were going to execute all the prisoners yeah and she was one of them and uh said she had a lovely time uh with uh, with the cast and everything so
0: enjoy that's so cool um so we you know my predecessor allison um had a segment uh that she called star trek stories where mm. people would write in their star trek story so everybody's got a star trek story um i sort of have a two-part question for you first of all your podcast is sci-fi talk so it's not just star trek it's all all sci-fi so Mm -hmm. first of all what is it that draws you to that genre the genre of sci-fi as opposed to other things mystery or whatever and second of all um, what is your Star Trek story? How did you how did you come to that specific franchise?
1: Well, um, starting with my podcast, Sci-Fi Talk, uh, basically, I've always had an interest in these genres. When I was young, I was weaned on the Universal Monsters, and that kind of whetted my appetite for horror, those great classic movies. I was able to meet descendants and children of some of my favorite actors, Boris Karloff, Lon Chaney Jr., and Bella Lugosi, which was a real thrill. And, uh, and then, comics-wise, uh, started watching The Adventures of Superman with George Reeves. And we started reading the comics, and we would sneak underneath the covers and read <laughs> with a flashlight and read our comics until my parents said, stop it. <laughs> and uh, Star Trek, uh, I was lucky enough to see it when it actually aired on NBC. I missed the first two seasons. My neighbor told me about it. I started watching season three and I've been hooked ever since. And um, to be able to talk to some of these people including some of my idols like Leonard Nimoy and Jimmy Dewin, that was uh, a real, real thrill. And obviously I treasure those interviews because they're both gone. Leonard talked about his days uh, in theater and starting a theater company. And that was fascinating. You could see his... Um, his, his skill in organization, you know, coming out. And uh, he actually, they did a play and with the most speaking parts they could. And also, uh, ironically, Vic Morrow was part of the company at the time. Oh, cool. So yeah, he, I, when I spoke to him in 2009, he just did the Abrams movie and he um, was donating a pair of ears to auction to support the company, which was really neat. But to hear about his theater days was fascinating stuff. And, uh, and I don't speak too long on this, but I actually went to a production in New York city and it was actually in the Leonard Nimoy theater of this, that he obviously used his influence and money to donate to keep theater going. Cause obviously it was very passionate for him. And uh, it certainly shows in his portrayal of Spock. What a, what a gentleman and 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 such an artist you know uh yeah yeah, he i i I called him in the interview the renaissance man of star trek because he did so many different things so well uh Uh, yeah that loss you know when your heroes pass away it uh, it hurts you know it but um watch i was watching a classic episode last night metamorphosis and uh, mm -hmm. it's always you know we'll always have that and His wonderful performances. So I'm so glad of that.
0: Yeah, I'm always happy when I see him in something. He was in a Twilight Zone that I really like, and Mm -hmm. he's, you know, he was just a great and he was a great, gentle, kind man. So yeah, Yeah, absolutely. That that loss was was tough.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Jimmy too. Jimmy talked about his experiences during World War II to me, um, and uh, I don't know if people know this, but. Jimmy Dune was missing a finger. It was shot off at, um, during D-Day. So if you look at Scotty, uh, Scotty has both a whole, his digits, but if you look at Scotty, he always uses one hand where he has all the fingers and he would curl into a fist. The other hand, if you watch carefully, you'll see that. So this way it doesn't show up on camera, which was really fascinating. When we, when I met him, I was like, I couldn't believe that, but told some great stories. And, um, uh, how he landed uh, a plane. He was a pilot. He landed a plane on the Autobahn in Germany.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I didn't hear that story. Yeah.
1: They they actually called him uh, the, the crazy limey, even though he was Canadian, but uh, <laughs> he was a great guy. And, but
0: was uh, he just having engine trouble or something?
1: Yeah. He was running out of, he was, he had, was pushing the fuel as far as he could go. And uh, he had to land somewhere and he, he, he was, Ferrying this general or some uh, high-ranking official, <laughs> and the guy was like, you know, you know, sweating. And uh, but you know, he landed the plane, and uh, yeah, it kind of, you know, cemented that uh, <laughs> that reputation as, as being cra- a little bit crazy. But uh, yeah. <laughs> great, great story, and it's it's true on the Autobot of all things. Man,
0: <laughs> he seemed like he was a very good storyteller, just from interviews. Oh yeah.
1: Yeah. Jimmy was, uh, last time I saw him, he was not well. And, uh, yeah. you know, I I met his son, Chris, uh, a few times. And uh, I'm glad he's kind of continuing Scotty in some form, which is great.
0: Yeah. Do you have a favorite um, guest that you've had, an interview that you've had over the years, specifically Star Trek, but even if it's not Star Trek?
1: Well, it would have to be Leonard, because he was... Spock was what meant a lot to me because um, I'm Cuban and I kind of know what it's like to kind of live in two different cultures. And yeah. I gravitated towards Spock. And I told him that, you know, because of that. And, you know, he says that he's had so many people throughout the years uh, come up to him and tell them, uh, you know, how they are accepted. And it really applies to anybody that's trying to navigate their own culture and translating it to the american culture yeah so he was very helpful so what i do is i incorporate the best of each and it works
0: <laughs> that's great so were you born in cuba or i was i was yeah. born there
1: yeah when did you when did you move over to the states we came in 1961 it took about two years okay and uh, then we um, lived in new jersey never saw snow before but i did then and then um educated here and uh you know, it's 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 been. Uh, I love this country very much, and yeah. you know, and I love the values that Star Trek has. Um, you know, uh, it, the ethic is very important to me. I actually have a small ethic as well: uh, infinite diversity and infinite combinations. So that philosophy and uh, is it, very very important, and I I believe in it
0: very strongly. Yeah. Uh, so is that is that what makes in your opinion, is that what makes Star Trek so, so long-lived? I mean, what what has kept that legacy alive? Because suddenly we're in another golden age of Star Trek, where there's yeah. you know five series or whatever in uh, in production. Mm-hmm. What, why why is that? This little show from the '60s, from 1966, is you know known worldwide and is still going on more than 55 years later.
1: Yeah, I, honestly, there's two reasons. Uh, first, it's what I call the big three: Spock, McCoy, and Kirk. Uh, McCoy was always the heart. Spock is the logic, obviously, and Kirk is um, is kind of the um, the adventurer who will take risks. And I, that combination, they almost like they made one person. <laughs> you know, it was really interesting. Their friendship and love for each other was very evident throughout the series, and then the diversity. I can tell you that I remember watching an episode. It was in reruns years later. And, you know, things were not so good racially in the United States. In City on the Edge of Forever, it's a very brief scene. An African-American crew member walks on the bridge. And then Kirk follows him. And he goes to his station and Kirk goes to the command chair. And it just something clicked inside of me. It's like, wow, that's like no big deal. And, you know. It was it was like yeah that's what Star Trek is all about as well, and I love exploration. I was an Apollo fan during you know and actually Gemini Apollo and when I was growing up and that those meant a lot to me and uh, you know seeing Doctor May Jensen on Next Generation was really cool. So yeah, it, it's uh, it's all those things and then it just strikes an emotional chord with me. The stories, uh, you know, really good allegories the best ones were when kirk has a decision to make you know that's a
0: moral decision those are the best episodes and uh give me your opinion what makes a good podcast interview um and and you know as i, I guess it's more of a general question i mean yeah the star trek insights as well but mm-hmm. what you know what are you looking for how do you how do you make your guests feel comfortable how do you how do you go about that whole process
1: well really a lot of it is um, looking at their backgrounds first of all doing a little research and also watching what they're in currently and uh and you know I'm a positive person so i I point out positives about their performance if there's a key scene or something that moved me uh, i will I will mention that to them and um, but really it's just knowing who they are and having an understanding how they approach the craft and uh, and re- what it takes to be an actor, and also the production side. The uh, people always ask in interviews, um, what for a television, example, you know, what's challenging for you? Television is always challenging. You're working long hours, and you know you're you're doing multiple takes, so it's always a challenge. Yeah. But I always like to approach them as far as approaching the character. What about this person that you like? What is it you don't like about them? And, uh, you know, usually you strike up a rapport and you also have to, Johnny Carson said this years ago, you have to be a good listener. So you might have prepared questions, but if they take you on another path, you know, put, just in a great example was, uh, I spoke to Michael Dorn, uh, you know, last year, and um, we just got off on this wonderful tangent about Westerns. He loves Westerns. You know and we just started talking about it and he's actually he wants to do a pilot you know western but uh so yeah we just it, it was a passion of his and you know you, you get to talk to him about what they what they uh, what they do of course if it's a star trek interview you want to talk about star trek too but there's ways of doing it that are it's very nonchalant even if they're promoting something else so it's really a lot of those things and if you consider yourself an expert, you're not. I can tell you that right now. It's like I'm not an expert interviewer. I'm working on it constantly. If you ever get to the point where I don't need to work on that, then uh, then you're dead. I remember seeing a television host once interviewing a famous author. He obviously never read the book. And he was talking about restaurants in San Francisco. And I, it was like, it was painful to watch because the guy was so wrapped up in himself that uh, that he kind of ignored what the guest wanted to talk about. And that's really it. You have to, your guest is exactly that, your guest. You treat him like a guest. And you also have to respect what they do and uh, and and do something that not everybody can do, whether it's in front of the camera or behind. So
0: that's kind of like the rules I try to live by. Do you have a favorite Star Trek series? I suspect I know the answer to this. <laughs> separately, do you have a favorite modern Star Trek series if it's if your favorite series is not modern? Hmm.
1: i lo- I love the original series. That's what got me hooked, and uh, it's just hogs up very well. That first season of Star Trek was probably some of the finest television, but maybe a few examples were the. You know, it wasn't as good, but really only one episode I can think of. But other than that, it was just um, amazing television and just really good writing. Uh, Thanks to the unsung hero, Gene L. Kuhn, who was so amazing. Created the Klingons. I mean, you know, he did so much. Uh, You know, he, he wrote Errand of Mercy and that's the first look at the Klingons and he created them. So, yeah, I mean, it was just that modern series. Hmm. Boy, that's hard because I really like them all. Uh, I would say Discovery is excellent. Uh, Also, uh, for the kids, Prodigy is wonderful. Uh, It shows people working together. It's from different backgrounds. And I love that, Um, you know, and uh, Lower Decks, I, honestly i had problems at first and i told mike mahan about that but uh i i kind of started to warm up and i love all the easter eggs in there oh my god it's so funny the way <laughs> they use them so yeah. i really have warmed up to the show and and love it for its own thing i don't you know um and of uh, and star trek Picard. Hopefully, I'll be able to. Uh, they will have a press junket, and I hope to attend that and cover that and uh, and record that as well. So, uh, yeah, that'd be it'd be great to after being in the roundtables with uh, all the Next Generation cast all those yeah. years, except for Gates McFadden. For her first contact, she had her appendix out. <laughs> she oh, didn't no. Yeah, she didn't make it. So uh, <laughs> she was not there. But uh, but the rest of them were. And Alfrey Warder and James Cromwell would just. Alfie Warder lit up the room when she walked in. She was amazing. Just yeah. really good stuff.
0: Did you go to uh, journalism school?
1: No, I, I I was a communications major and worked at the college radio station. But we're not doing interviews. I was doing. Uh, I was a DJ, and I, I was going to go into that part of my career, but uh, and I did it for a while, and then I just said, "Oh, this is too much traveling." and you know, it's like, you know, I want to have a life. <laughs> so I just decided not to and kind of work in corporate television for a while. And then, um, you know, radio and started doing I, I, I was going through a life changing uh, moment. And it was like, what do I want to do? And sci-fi talk popped into my head and uh, yeah. started talking to people. And it's been going ever since. And I'm really glad. I mean, the Star Trek people alone I've met is—it's—it's it's amazing. It really has been amazing, and you know, God, all these fifty, almost fifty-six years—it's incredible. I know it's really incredible, but yeah, it's been—it's been fun. But you know, uh, interview-wise, I kind of learned on the on the fly. I yeah. kind of—I would critique myself and see what I was doing right and wrong, and some of the old stuff I listen to, and I go, oh. <laughs> but uh but you know like but like i said i'm i'm still working at it yeah you know it i talked to larry nemacek about uh, his trek files podcast when it first came on yeah. and they're talking about some finding some really obscure gold i mean memos and scripts and it's just like oh my god he just did um, a thing i think it was uh the assistant to gene l Kuhn, i think was was on one of his uh Mortal Forty-seven. I had him
0: too. She was one of my first ones, uh, yeah. Andrea Kindred.
1: Yes, yes, yeah. I'm boy. I I got I got to listen to that because uh, I'm I, I love Gene Kuhn's work. And
0: she she was fascinating. She was really interesting. She came out with she just came out with a book. Oh, you're good, good. So and and about that whole time, it's called From Slavery to Star Trek. There's actually wow. two. There's a big book that's like her whole history and her family's history and all that called code switching. And then it has a, um, a subtitle. I'm not sure what from slavery to star Trek is specifically the, the stuff related to star Trek from that book. So it's basically, it's, it's excerpts of that book taken out. That's specifically about Gene L. and and all of that. Oh, nice. Nice. Yes.
1: Oh, wow. That's something. That's quite a story anything that ties to the original series is always special to me
0: yeah yeah i just did an interview with julie nimoy and her husband david that just came out this week nice Um, and uh it it was really great she was really interesting he was really interesting uh you know they have a um they talked a lot about their film remembering leonard nimoy yes Um, and we talked a lot about his last days and Mm. um and they're also, they're working on a film about Gene Wilder, who it turns out uh, was a good friend of Leonard's. Oh, wow. So, um, so that's, that should come out later this year, hopefully, maybe in the summer. Uh, so it was really interesting. Um, oh, was-
1: I love very Gene very- Wilder. Yeah, the producers and Blazing Saddles. I mean, God, if he did nothing else, uh-huh. <laughs> I'd still you. I would just love him anyway. Um, uh, me too. And, was... and and his movies with Richard Pryor were hysterical. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, just a comic genius. He really, he, you know, he was just amazing.
0: Yeah, he was. He was great. I loved. I loved him. So I'm excited to see that film. Um, yes, they do mainly things that tie into a medical. Uh, issue um, and I think he died of Alzheimer's so that's how they're tying it yeah, in Yeah.
1: Um,
0: uh, you know David uh, when he started dating Julie he didn't know that this was 10, 10 or 11 years ago he didn't know that she was uh, Leonard Nimoy's son he didn't realize <laughs> um, and he was working on a micro microbiology I think um, uh, film and so she sort of came on board as sort of his producer and, and you know, helped him out with it and said, how would you like my father to uh, narrate? So he's got Leonard Nimoy narrating this uh, film. Um, and that's where their partnership began. And, and they've been making films like that ever since. Wow. That's yeah. so cool. Yeah, it's that's so a good. great story.
1: Yeah. yeah. Leonard Nimoy could read the phone book and I'd listen. <laughs> you know? Yep, absolutely he uh, had that wonderful voice. I I used to love In Search of too as a matter of
0: fact. I used to Yeah, him. In Search of was great. Yeah. yeah. Did yeah. a great job. So, yeah. yeah, he's he was a really great actor.
1: He's uh he's definitely an icon and boy, his uh God if he you know uh, it would have been wonderful to have seen him on uh, some of the newer shows too. So, yeah. you know, with time travel, they could have even appeared on Strange New world somehow. Sure. See, those two Spocks together would have been cool. That would have been Ethan, really cool. Ethan's doing a great job too by the way. I really love his Spock.
0: Yeah. I agree. I you know, I think his, his arc is correct for for Spock and you know, when, when he first showed up in Discovery to now, I think you really see how Spock became Spock. Yes. I know him. Yeah. Yeah. I love the short treks too. They're fantastic. They're so good. Uh, I I do more. You know, I'm missing them. Yeah, me too. Sure, they just have a production schedule that won't allow for it anymore. You know, Uh, they were really just to fill time until we got a second season of Discovery. But
1: yeah, now they're in. I mean, we're going from one series to another now. So yeah, it's it's. But you know, it it doesn't feel like uh, that. It's too much. It feels like it's spaced out just enough. Yeah. And obviously, uh, Paramount Plus has done very well as a result of Star Trek. So sure, yeah. I think their membership just like quadrupled after Discovery Season 1. So right. I can only imagine as word gets out. But I'm also glad that Nickelodeon is running Prodigy, because I think kids should see that and should not be blocked from
0: seeing that. So I
1: agree. That's yeah. a wonderful, uh, wonderful idea. And, you know, it's always great to hear John Noble. I talked to him when he was on Fringe. Yeah, so, uh, you that. know he's. I was at the last fringe roundtable in San Diego Comic Con, and oh, wow. uh, and so I was saying goodbye, and um, you know it was like one of the actors, you know, just kind of looked at me, and I, I, I he saw that I was, you know, it was like, hey, this that's it, and he goes, yeah, I know, but, you know, everything comes to an end, <laughs> and it <Yeah>. does. <laughs> sure, yeah. All good things, as they say. All good things. Hardest part of my job is is when you get to the end and you know there's nothing new to cover. Uh, I just did that with the, the Walking Dead, at least in that incarnation. I was there at the very beginning and then at the end, after, God, almost 11 years out of my life. Wow. But uh, really, um, yeah, it's a, it's a little bittersweet. But, you know, you look at the work and the work is good. So that's yeah. what... That's what's going to endure.
0: So I wanted to talk to you about, um, uh, sadly, your wife's aunt passed away recently. And yes. I talked to Jonathan Frakes a few months ago about uh, pancreatic cancer. And I know you've yeah. talked to her about that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, would you share your wife's aunt's story? What mm-hmm. is that In law? Um,
1: yeah. Uh, yeah. I, it was, um, she was diagnosed with stage four. And that's, that was tough. However, she was actually at first responding to treatment. And, um, you know, she was doing well. And um, recently she had a problem. Uh, I think it was related maybe, excuse me, to their her kidney or, or something like that. Pardon me. And um, they actually had to do a procedure. And then they ended up doing the procedure. Uh, But, um, but then she just got worse and eventually had to go into hospice. And that's where she passed. Apparently, you know, she was in a lot of pain in the last few months and went through a lot. So um, as Jonathan and I talked about, and Armin too, early detection is so, so, so key. And, uh, and really, it's really the best way to stop it. And as I said earlier, if anybody in your family you know, has it or has had it, then definitely get tested. It's a very simple test. and uh, But yeah, it's, um, it's a great organization. We talked about when they were doing, they had a, a, on November 17th, they had a, a live event. They had doctors, survivors. I mean, talking a, a, a lot of really useful information and the website. When I posted that on Twitter, Pan Cam reached out to me and said, look, if you if you need somebody to talk to, you know, it was very generous of them. They uh, It's an excellent organization. And you mentioned the Purple Stride. And that is an event that uh, when I talked to Armin, he was actually doing a play. So he couldn't walk with the others. But he said he, he was in Kansas City, so he was going to... Um, of their local chapter and walk with them he was okay. doing the play that ends up wrong or goes wrong you the know, play
0: that, that goes wrong
1: yeah he, yeah, so he was doing that, that
0: when i talked to him yeah
1: yeah so uh gifted actor really gifted actor yeah and uh but yeah so but yeah it's a very uh, it's a very terrible disease i lost a grandfather to mouth cancer so years ago and uh, he never even saw me graduate eighth grade so that's how long ago it was, and uh, so I mean, cancer. It's you know one of my, my favorite all-time football coaches died of uh, of uh, colon cancer. So it's uh, they 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 have made incredible strides in the last few years, and uh, and they're continuing the research to hopefully eradicate this. So I'm hopeful uh, as science gets better then uh these cures i think will come a lot faster so uh, yeah yeah so it's a devastating devastating disease and uh yeah. Yeah, she went through a lot at the end unfortunately
0: yeah i can imagine i had an aunt that i lost to breast cancer when i was uh-huh. um and they've made a lot of progress in breast cancer since yes. since then um so you know it's you know it's a tough disease uh, and it touches yeah. everybody, you know. I don't it sure does. Yeah. So, um, so uh, anybody watching this should go to pancan.org and donate and watch for the Purple Stride, which is a walk, uh, which I'm hoping to have some more on that later in the year. Uh, it happens in, in April, I believe. So, mm-hmm. they'll so, be
1: posted on the website there. Yeah. And I think you can even support some of the people walking. And yeah, you can you can donate there as well. And, I, and I there's a,
0: a Star Trek group. So if you and they, they're sort of a little competitive. The groups. So, good, good. Um, so if you want to support the Star Trek group, it'll have Jonathan Frakes and Armin Shimmerman and Kitty Swink and I don't know who else involved. So, um, so that it's a it's a good cause, and you can get to you can, if you go to our website. Uh, our homepage has has a link to the donation page. There for, you go. So there you go. Fantastic.
1: No, I, I I'm very gratified at the work they're doing and having somebody like Jonathan and Armin and, and, and Kitty too, really involved. Gives yeah. it a lot of star power. And uh I mean Jonathan lost his brother and uh that must have been tough. Yeah. And as as he told me, he was the kind of guy you can call in the middle of the night if you had any problems. So oh, I mean that's that's makes it even more devastating to have somebody with a soul like that. Yeah, pass away. So yeah, yeah, this is a horrible disease, and I'd love to see it eradicated.
0: What else you want to talk about, Tony? (laughs) We covered a lot. (laughs) We Um, have, I guess, really
1: just looking forward to the rest of the card. Always good to see Patrick. You know, we we actually saw him. uh, I guess two or three years ago, he did. um, We sat in the very first row. He did a Christmas Carol in New York. Oh, cool! It was a benefit for a theater. So, yeah, we paid a little money, but it was for a good cause. And and we sat in the very first row and he did all the characters and something he's been doing for years, but I've never seen it live. And uh, he was magnificent. Oh,
0: my God. I saw it in, on the original Broadway run. Oh, nice. Nice. I, I, my family and I went down and saw it. And, you know, it's, he's just so amazing.
1: Yeah. I mean, with his uh, Shakespearean background and yeah. If I would love to like corner him and just talk Shakespeare for a whole half hour, an hour,
0: I think that'd be awesome. Me too. You That's basically his what view. I did with Armin when I talked to Armin was it was oh, cool. all about Shakespeare. Um, but yeah, yeah. You, you, you have two things that
1: I really love. Shakespeare and Sherlock Holmes. I think. <laughs> I'm and,
0: big fans of both of those things. Oh my God. I mean, there, um, There's a crossover, I think, between Star Trek fans and mm-hmm. those things in particular.
1: Yes, I think that is. I've always wondered. What yeah, he... I mean, I know Leonard played uh, Sherlock Holmes on yeah, Broadway, absolutely. and obviously, you know, there's. Uh, could Sherlock be a little bit of an inspiration for Spock? Definitely for his logic. Yeah, um, and uh, and also, uh, you know, I I think that has a lot to do with it. But uh, but yeah, Sherlock Holmes, you know, I, I my favorites have got to be Basil Rathbone to start. And really, I think the quintessential Holmes was Jeremy Brett. I agree. And fear. If, if you watch the episode, The Solitary Cyclist, I believe all of the dialogue is from the story, which was amazing. Yeah. But uh, I, I saw him, he captured every nuance of Holmes and he had two Dr. Watsons. And I like uh, Sir, uh, you know Sir Hardwick who was second and yeah. his, of course, his father's a famous actor as well. Right. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, I loved it. And uh, man, I I I I'd like to get my hands on the, on that DVD collection because it's hard to find where it's shown these days.
0: Uh, yeah, I mean, you can get it on BritBox.
1: BritBox. Okay.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, or you can get. I mean, I have the Blu-rays.
1: Yeah, Sherlock Holmes. That was a that yeah. was a big one for me growing yeah. up.
0: Yeah. And I agree. I, I, you know, the dialogue, especially when it's taken directly from the stories, dialogue is so strong anyway. Because yes. uh, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle was, you know, he was just a master at that.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, but then Jeremy Brett took that dialogue yeah. and made it his own and mm-hmm. made it better, and which is yes. not easy to do because it's so good to begin with you know he just he made some really interesting choices i thought
1: i thought so too i it, those were very special series and i in those days i videotaped all of them on vhs and i would watch them huh. <laughs> over and over again and uh, yeah. you know i actually loved the, their version of hound of the baskervilles too i thought he did an excellent job yeah yeah uh, me too ian richardson gets an audible mention too i thought he did just those two films yeah, the hound and the sign of four. Yeah, uh, but I, I he gets an honorable mention. He yeah. kind of leans more towards the Basil Rathbone interpretation. I thought right.
0: Yeah, I uh, like, but I don't show. mind. It's no, not. Like, I don't mind either. Jeremy Brett is my favorite.
1: Yeah, I would. I would say so. So yeah. yeah. What was the other thing you mentioned? I, I kind of oh, Shakespeare. Like, oh, Shakespeare. Well, we know Roddenberry liked it. He named episodes "Conscience right. of the King" right. by any other name. Yeah, and "Conscience of the King." Uh, you know Barbara Anderson actually recites lines from that
0: yeah i love
1: yeah. that episode that's a great episode
0: cuz i love mysteries and i love yeah. shakespeare so and uh, that's got it all yeah so, and i Absolutely. love Shakespeare
1: so yeah yeah oh shakespeare is great i've actually been to stratford on avon Dubai. yeah and, and um at the time they were doing they had all the costumes from all the bbc productions and in display in city hall and i toured that and then I went to the church where he's buried, and I saw the Globe Theater there, or the you know, where the Shakespeare Festival has yeah. their thing. And um, I, I actually talked to Alice Krieger about that a little bit
0: when oh. I talked to her
1: recently. Uh, well, she she really gave me some great insights on the board queen too. Yeah, really.
0: yeah. She understood her
1: really well, I thought. Yeah, a great. She did a great, excellent job playing her. Yeah, but, I, uh, yeah. Shakespeare is man,
0: love it. Yeah, me too. I've done a lot of Shakespeare. um, Wow. uh, And, you know, not as an actor, but as a stage manager. um, Wow, yeah. uh, For a while, I was going up to Westerly, Rhode Island and doing Shakespeare in the Park. Oh, uh,
1: fantastic.
0: And and the first summer I did it, David Burney was in the production. Wow. Who was in an episode of Star Trek Deep Space Nine as a Romulan. Yes. uh, And, you know, uh, was married to Meredith Baxter, Burney. Of course, uh, yeah a while and they did they did a show um uh Bridget Loves Bernie Bridget Loves
1: Bernie right yes i used to attend uh and when i was living in new jersey i would go to the shakespeare festival at uh, drew university a lot
0: oh yeah sure
1: and i whenever they did shakespeare before i was married after i was married i would go and just see the plays because i love the language and plots and everything I, I think we saw midsummer night's dream too okay and that was pretty cool yeah that's one of my favorites because it's pure fantasy
0: yeah i love you know yeah
1: and i guess you can say the tempest is science fiction you can say that yeah that you could kind of, yeah absolutely that, that was, was kind of like the basis
0: of forbidden planet
1: so right why not right Which exactly. which could have been a star trek episode anyway
0: <laughs> right yeah it could well i mean yeah i mean it was a precursor to star trek i mean there's a lot that you think oh they stole this from star trek but they didn't because it was 10 years before star trek
1: Um, yeah robbie the robot is one of my favorites and ironically the gentleman who designed the phasers and tricorders designed Mm -hmm. robbie and the lost in space robot he was a japanese gentleman yeah uh, so they they got him on board because he had worked on those projects
0: yeah, And uh,
1: you know the story about Spock's ears, don't you? And, I I think so, but tell it. Yeah. Well, um, they were Fred Phillips, which is the wonderful makeup artist, uh, whose daughter Jaina, by the way, worked on the Klingon makeup for Motion Picture, um, doing Mark Leonard and those folks for, with the ridge, the the controversial ridges at the time. But anyway, John, uh, Fred Phillips was doing Spock's ears. They just they couldn't get it right. It just didn't look right. So he contacted a colleague, John Chambers, who won the Academy Award for Planet of the Apes. So essentially, John uh, took a fresh mold of Leonard's ears and then started you know, mass producing them because they would go through on a long day, probably about three or four, maybe even as many as five pairs of ears yeah. that they had to keep. Gluing and re gluing on Leonard. So, anyway, he did the ears, and the rest is history. So, um, and if you look at the movie ears compared to the Star Trek TV years, the ears were bigger on television. The ears got smaller because it was a big screen anyway. You didn't need yeah. to make them
0: big. Right. So it was interesting. Yeah. So- very cool. There's Spock
1: it, ears floating around somewhere, I'm sure. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yep. So I asked Julie if she had um, if she had gotten to try them on. She said no, but my brother did.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You've seen that famous blooper where Adam Nimoy shows up on the bridge of the Enterprise when they Spock's on the bridge, sitting in the captain's chair, and uh, Adam walks in. And he goes, hello daddy. And it, it just breaks everybody up. Yes. It's hysterical. <laughs> and uh, and years later, he directed him in their version of iRobot on the Outer Limits, which was really oh, Adam cool. Did. I didn't know that. Yeah, Adam directed him on that. And
0: uh, oh that's very and cool.
1: That was that's one of the few times father and son worked together. Yeah. And you know who his wife is now, don't you? Uh, Adam's wife. I, oh, Adam's
0: wife? No, I don't think so. Well, he married Terry Farrell. Oh, that's right. I did know that. Yes. Yes. I did hear that. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. yeah. It's, God, it's such
1: a interconnected universe yeah. with so many things.
0: But so funny.
1: It's it's neat. It's neat. Yeah, Foxy ears. That's a famous, famous story. I remember yeah. the and, world of Star Trek. I think it was there was a book by Stephen A. Whitfield about inside Star Trek. I think it was called. Yeah.
0: Inside Star Trek.
1: Sure. And I devoured that, you know. I learned how they shot if they if they were on the bridge, they shot all of the scenes on the bridge. And that's why Star Trek had continuity errors because you'd see Kirk wearing a different tunic in the same right. episode. Wait a minute, he just went to the bridge with that tunic and he's coming on board with this one. What's going on here? <laughs> Quick change. <laughs> yeah. But Star Trek is their big mistakes are continuity.
0: Well, thank you very much for joining me. This has been a pleasure and an honor. Um, it was finally, I, you know, um, you contacted me toward the end of last year and it's taken till now to actually get something going. Uh, but I had not, I, I'm sort of at capacity with, pod, with the podcasts I listen to and often have to shuffle around and like drop some because I, j- there just aren't enough hours in the day. I um, hear you. I do a lot of podcasts. <laughs> and I had seen Sci-Fi Talk floating around and I was like oh that might be interesting but I don't really have the capacity for another podcast um but after you contacted me I started listening and I love it and oh thank you you very nice very humbly to hear that it really is I've subscribed to it and have just been listening to it for the past two months um absorbing it because I'm really enjoying every every episode something new so oh uh, that's good it's good to hear that (laughs) it's great for star trek fans but it's great for fans of sci-fi horror um fantasy you know all of that it um is involved and it's everything from comics to video games to movies um to tv shows it's really really a great podcast so thank you for putting that out in the world and uh i'm ashamed i didn't find it sooner (laughs) that's okay i'm
1: working on that end of it i need to Get the word out better, uh, mm-hmm. but thank you. It, it's uh, the the honor is mine to be on your podcast. I really appreciate it, and um, and also I extend the invitation. I'd love to have you on mine. I
0: would I would love to be on yours. Thank you very much. My um, pleasure, really. My you, pleasure and my honor to be here. Really, I appreciate it. We will talk again soon. All right. All right. You Take too. care, Tony. You too.